much of an expert you are in your field doesn't mean you should be proud because you know there's always more to learn see there's wisdom in being humble because Jesus is humble and Jesus is recreating you and I to be like him so if Jesus the king of kings and the lord of lords was willing to be crucified by human hands then we could probably all do with a little dose of humility eh Going about your life as if you're the expert, as if you have all the knowledge, it's folly. But as we'll hear in today's teaching, so is listening to everybody. There's a balance, and you can find it by turning a deaf ear to the things that aren't loving or edifying, and receiving those things that are words seasoned with grace. This discernment is found in the Word. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 20 with his continuing study entitled Wisdom for Daily Living. See, on either side of that, on either side of that, we're not fearing properly. Because with self-righteous legalism, you know what our fear is? Our fear is that we need someone else to save us. And that's the gospel, right? The gospel is that someone else needs to save us. That, yes, you are amazing. Yes, you were created in the image and likeness of God, but you cannot save yourself, and neither can I. So the fear of self-righteousness is, I need to save myself because I can do it. The fear of capitulation to evil is saying, I'm going to miss out on the cut corner that everyone else is. But notice, the person who fear God escapes them both. See, when you and I fear God, when we not only respect his authority, but we also love him enough not to want to break his heart, those two prongs of fearing God, respect and love, one is about authority and the other is about relationship. When we fear God, we will never fall into self-righteous legalism. Or we fall into cutting corners because God's covenantal love and his authority hems us in on both sides. And that's what I love about who God is. He He always hems us in on both sides, not just one side. He hems us in on both sides. It's both about authority and relationship. It's about the reality that if we fear God, we realize that we are accountable for our lives and we love him so much to say, God, your love for me is so great. I can't do that anymore because it breaks your heart. This reminds me of Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. It says, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you for your judgments have been manifested. See, we need to fear properly. Oftentimes we cut corners or we try and believe that we can erect our own way to heaven because we actually don't fear God. 
We just want to be well-liked. We want to fit in. But we need to fear properly, and that's wisdom for life. You're going to fear either way, but you need to fear properly. You need to fear properly. Now, look what happens in verse 19. Wisdom, it says, strengthens the wise more than 10 rulers of the city, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Now, this teaches us quite simply that everyone needs Jesus. That's what these verses teach us. Everyone needs Jesus. And that's beautiful. And listen, we're in church, so you should expect to hear that. But just because we expect to hear it in church doesn't make it any less true. Everybody needs Jesus. Why? Wisdom strengthens the wise. So if we attain wisdom, if God blesses us and grants us wisdom, which is what he does in Jesus, that strengthens us more than 10 rulers of a city. It'd be be like saying, listen, wisdom strengthens more than a whole army backing up a city. Wisdom is more important than arms, so to speak. And then he says, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Now, you notice it's a just man. That word just In the Hebrew and the Greek, it's the same word as righteous. All these, it's the same word group. Justice is the way things ought to be, it's been said. When things happen as they ought to. When things are right. But you notice there's not a just man who does not sin. So think about this. We're talking about fearing properly. So we're not overly righteous. We don't capitulate to evil. We're talking about living as dying people. But see, the Bible always pushes us past just merely human ethics, how we ought to live, and always pushes us beyond to, hey, we all need help. And that's where Christianity and every single world religion or pop philosophy diverges right there. The road splits just like that. Because you'd be really big, oh, I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing. And I got this thing dialed in. It's all dialed in for me. But then all of a sudden you read, for there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin. And this is exactly why we believe in Jesus. This is why you and I and people for thousands of years have been unashamed to say, I believe in Jesus. Why? Because everyone else is saying, I don't believe in Jesus because I got this covered on my own. And everyone has a different set of criteria to cover the difference between all the things, we, the way we should live and the way we, should, the way we actually live. So for some people, it's I don't eat meat. I go visit a certain place in the world. I sit cross-legged like a pretzel and try and meditate on nothing. I read all the right books. I vote properly in every election. Everybody's got some, some way. And the Christians are saying, you know what? God did it for me. 
God did it for me because God knew I could never do it on my own. Because even as we seek to live right, sometimes we just don't do right. Sometimes we just make a bad decision. Don't raise your hand, but I'm quite sure all of us had made at least one bad decision yesterday. You said the wrong thing. You thought the wrong thing. You watched the wrong thing. And if you don't believe me, just ask your spouse. <laughs> They'll tell you. Like, to have a good day yesterday? Like, mm -mm, no, no. I'm going to go for prayer after service, yeah. But you tried, right? Like, you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do good. Everybody needs Jesus. And if you're here today, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, by the time the service is over, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, and I want to encourage you, if God is moving on your heart, don't be, don't be scared to say, I can't do it on my own. Don't think it's beneath you to be honest about who we, we really are. I know for me, when I started hearing the gospel, I, it, I didn't like it. It bothered me. Because I was raised to think, man, you can do it. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get life done. I was raised that way. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I can't do that, though. I can change my oil in my car. I can study hard enough to get an A, but I can't live every single moment of my life absolutely perfectly. I can't do it. And if that's you, if, you're, if you've been trying your own way and it's just not working, you feel, you feel it. Just know, many of us in here have felt that same thing. And just, get, just say, okay, I'm going to come to Jesus because I try. Maybe I'm even just in some views of my life that I do things right, but I still don't always do good. Just fling yourself into the arms of Jesus because everybody needs him. And you know what everybody means? Everybody. That's what it means. Everybody needs Jesus. Now, verse 21. Also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Now, this is a fascinating little proverb right here. I'll put it to you this way. And I, I'm stealing this also from Charles Spurgeon, which is to turn a deaf ear. Turn a deaf ear. Now, Spurgeon was writing to pastors in his great book, Lectures to My Students. And he really took this verse and he's saying, for a pastor, you have to learn how to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear. And the idea was, is that, just like this proverb, that not all criticism should be received, digested, and integrated. Now, think about the balance, because didn't we just see a couple weeks ago that there was a foolish, old and foolish king who wouldn't listen to anybody? Now we're hearing, don't listen to everybody. Notice how it hems you on both sides. Foolishness or folly is an isolation, but... Just because you should listen doesn't mean you should listen to everybody. Not every critique is worthy for you to spend time on. Now, for some of us, this is going to hit really close to home because you were raised in a family where you were always told that you were not good. 
And you realize that when you hear it over and over and over again, at some point it just gets in there. But this is exactly the type of advice, critiques he's talking about. We all have to learn how to turn a deaf ear to certain things that are said. Because if you don't, it just rips you up inside, right? So there's that sweet spot between not listening to anybody, being completely unteachable, and then choosing when it's time. I'm going to turn a deaf ear to a critique. And notice what he says here. See, he says, don't take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. So he's saying, listen, you may have a, a servant who works for you and you're not, you didn't do anything wrong, but they're just mad because they're your servant. So don't take it to heart. And he says also, listen, you also know that sometimes you've said cursings of other people that weren't true either. So he's making an argument like, you don't want to hear your servant getting upset with you just for his lot in life. And you also know that sometimes you've said some pretty nasty things about people that actually weren't true. So don't take everything to heart. I call that turning a deaf ear. That's what Spurgeon called it. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, you need to learn how and when to turn the deaf ear. One of the things that I've, I'm always learning in my life is that if somebody is continually critiquing you, if it's just like a steady stream of critique, you have to learn how to turn a deaf ear to them. Because they actually don't love you. They actually love themselves and they feel better by making you feel like an idiot. And if you take those things to heart, what happened? You start feeling horrible. So for us, brothers and sisters, we need to learn how not to take everything to heart. We have to choose what things we take to heart and what things we say, you know what? I'm not so sure about that. And that's the balance. Rather than you don't want to listen to nobody because you're isolated and that's going to breed folly. And in the same way, you don't want to listen to everybody either. You need to be willing to turn a deaf ear to the things that people say that are not loving, edifying, which means building up. And listen, if you're the kind of person I'm saying this, you're thinking, I am a person that people should turn their deaf ear to, then brother, sister, right now in the quietness of your heart, you need to say, God, change me. Change the things that fall out of my mouth. Change the things that I'm saying. Because our word should be seasoned filled with grace, seasoned with salt, the Apostle Paul said. The voice of the people of God should be a voice of blessing, not of cursing. You know, and don't forget on this, if you want to bring a critique to somebody, make sure you go read Matthew chapter 7 first, where Jesus said, why are you going to deal with your brother's speck when you got a plank? Because oftentimes, if we would actually come to that verse and bury our heart in it, we won't, actually won't say anything. Because we're like, man, I'm way worse. It's, see, we live in a critiquing culture. We live in an environment where everyone not only feels entitled to their opinion, but also feels entitled to tell you their opinion. I just read this. You guys are going to like this. You're going to want to write it down. It's so good. A man who can only give in to all of his urges can never truly say that he is free. And if that is not a quote for this generation, 
when all we can do is give in to every urge, we are not free, no matter how free our constitution tells us. True freedom is having the freedom to say, I'm not going to say that. They don't deserve. Just because I think that doesn't mean it's profitable, important. It doesn't honor God. So brothers, sisters, we need to turn a deaf ear. And we saw this two weeks ago. We were talking about our speech, how life was in the little things. This is being a hearer now. If someone is constantly bringing you accusation, criticism, you got to learn how to just turn a deaf ear. Be able to say, I'm just not going to take that to heart. I'm not going to let that hurt my feelings. I'm not going to let it change my course. I'm going to turn a deaf ear. Now, verse 23. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? Brothers and sisters, this teaches us that humility is big stuff. Humility is big stuff. He says, man, I'm going to be wise. All this I proved by wisdom. And then he says, but it was far from me. See, if this is King Solomon, and it might be, I don't know. If it's King Solomon, King Solomon is normally given the appellation of one of the wisest men who ever lived. I mean, the book of Proverbs, he wrote almost all of them. Ecclesiastes, the book of wisdom. You have all these different things. He's saying, look, I sought to understand everything, but I realized I couldn't understand all of it. So in all of our learning, and we live in a very learned time in history with how we all have access to so much information all the time, We have to realize that in all the things that we know, there's still infinitely more things that we don't know. And so we always want to buffet our understanding with a good dose of humility. So I say, humility is big stuff. Listen to James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love that verse. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And it begins that God gives more grace or greater grace. Humility is a beautiful, beautiful attribute. Jesus, when he triumphantly entered Jerusalem, wasn't on a white stallion, but was on a a donkey. When he was born, he wasn't laid with a fleece bassinet, gold lining, but he was laid in a feeding trough. Humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's thinking about yourself a little. It's being more concerned with God and others. No matter how much of an expert you are in your field, doesn't mean you should be proud because you know there's always more to learn. See, there's wisdom in being humble because Jesus is humble and Jesus is recreating you and I to be like him. So if Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was willing to be crucified by human hands, then we could probably all do with a little dose of humility, eh? 
You know, I've had people ask me, and I've, I've shared this with you guys before. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that like I'm a humble person. You know, if I'm just being honest, God's always working on me. You know, but I would never, I've never been the kind of guy I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a humble person. You know, and so people ask me sometimes, so Pastor Daniel, where, how do you become humble? I kind of laugh. I'm like, if you know, you let me know. But every time you see somebody get into the presence of the Almighty God, there is an act of humility. Every single time when Isaiah saw the Lord in the beginning of his book, saw the Lord on his throne, he's like, oh, woe is me, I'm undone. When they had the huge catch of fish, Peter realized that Jesus wasn't just some other teacher. He says, woe, be away from me, I'm an unclean man. You have the Apostle John in the book of the Revelation. Every time he gets in contact with an angel, he prostrates himself. Not even the Almighty God, an angel. And John's just on his face. And so humility is born in the presence of God. And humility is big stuff. And you and I, if you're here today, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have access to the presence of God at every single moment because of Jesus. You have not only a season pass, but a life pass with absolutely 24-hour access to the Lord. Let's spend time there. Let's dwell there. Let's, let's make our home there. And humility will be a fruit of your life if you spend time with the Almighty God in Jesus' name. This is big stuff. It ends kind of strangely. In verse 25, it says, I applied my heart to know to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things, to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Here is what I have found, says the preacher, adding one thing to the other, to find out the reason which my soul still seeks, but I cannot find one man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among these I have not found. Truly this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought many schemes. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. The writer is saying that anything worse than death is a woman. Hey, I didn't write it, so. <laughs> Notice the description of the woman he's speaking about, though. Notice the description, because this is a running theme in the wisdom literature. The description of this woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. So this is speaking of the immoral woman who causes someone to stumble. There's a whole huge section in the book of Proverbs about this woman. Proverbs chapter 7, you can read the adulterous woman, the woman who leads astray. Jesus is real. As we were reminded today in Daniel's message from Ecclesiastes, it's our tendency to want to do something in order to deserve our salvation. But that's a losing battle. We need to have a dose of humility, a beautiful attribute. It means having more concern for God and others over yourself. Understanding that you don't know everything, accepting His free gift, 
and letting go of the ego brings you closer to the presence of God. Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review? You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time when Pastor Daniel's message will be why and how to seek God's wisdom. That wisdom opens the doors to knowledge about how to walk in obedience, what pleases the Father, how to discern situations in our lives in the light of the Word. Obedience is key, and we'll find out what it means to live under authority, both the authority of God and those in power here on earth. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Jesus Is Real Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless. Amen.